0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 11 of Into the Prey, Breaching the Chaos of the Church with Nick and Mary Franks. This is a slightly impromptu episode this week. This is number 11 and it's obviously probably appeared on your iPhone or your laptop, however you listen to podcasts, um, in this slightly abnormal time of the week, i.e. it's not the normal Friday morning breakfast time. Um, The reason for that is we want to kind of make an announcement, this is the last episode of the podcast. For this series, this is the outro, as it were, for the series that we've called Chaos, and that has been running now for the last 10 weeks, or 10 episodes. Um, 11, actually, if you include the one that we entitled The um, Inaugurate, that introduced everything. So if you go back 11 weeks, gosh, that's nearly three months of doing these podcasts, and um, really feel very clearly, actually, that this has run its course for for this little season. Um, So this is the end of season one and we're going to be relaunching this in another four or five weeks from now. So it will have the benefit of four or five weeks of quietness and listening and not producing content. That's really the focus, certainly for Mary and I over the next four or five weeks. So if you've not listened to all of of the episodes, go back, listen to them. Maybe there's some that you want to go back and listen to again. Um, let us know, and also it's a good time just to drop us some notes to let us know if there's anything that you particularly would like us to perhaps revisit in more detail or get some more perspective on, or what have you. But um, but for this week, I'm gonna just drop something here, which hopefully will bridge the gap between season one of Into the Prey and season two, yet to have a title. Not sure what that's going to be called, but it won't be chaos. It won't be. It won't be like a second series called. Chaos 2, pl- plumbing further depths of the chaos of the church. The idea is, based on the episode from um, with Ryan last week, is that we're pivoting. We're pivoting, having spent nearly three months trying to look appropriately at the chaos that exists within the body of Christ on the earth, especially with the West in mind, the Western nations. How is that enabling us to then pivot. And that's the word that's difficult to say on a podcast, even with a pop shield, because of the p- pivot, or pivoting away from the chaos, or with the re- not to deny the chaos, but it's to pivot into a place of hopeful vision, led by Jesus, the leadership of Jesus, so kind, isn't he? He's so gentle and he's so precise, um, and envisaging what the future of the body is going to look like, so grateful for this interruption to what we've called business as usual, what we've called life as usual for the last however many centuries. There's a mega, just a huge, huge historical change that we are living through, that there's a risk that we would begin to feel normal about, that we would forget to, that we'd begin to maybe not feel the sting of. And of course, all of this, I think, is very clearly... Uh, designed by a good gracious sovereign God to waken us up. And so for this episode I want to just drop the the seven things that I pray that we pray, Mary and I together that we pray about the most. And unsurprisingly it will be these seven points, some of them will be sound quite familiar to you if you've listened to the episodes this thus far. These are the these are the seven things that in one way or another may have risen to the surface during the last three months of this podcast but just to give you them in bullet form i'm gonna don't normally do this but i'm just going to read them out verbatim and then if i have any kind of thoughts to embellish i'll do that but i want to keep this episode quite short i feel like it's culminating to that maranatha cry that at the end of revelation where it says "Spirit, spirit and the bride say come So the the main seven things that we pray about. Number one, and this isn't in any particular order of importance, so just literally as it came to me. Number one, to be able to individually discern the voice of Jesus with absolute clarity and overwhelming power, regardless of the world. Okay, so that's thinking of Psalm 29. um, that I know, I've mentioned a couple of times through the podcasts, the powerful image in that psalm of the voice, the glory of Lord, the covenant Yahweh, God of Israel. There's no one like Him, and His voice. His voice comes to strip every tree bare of the forest. That's what His voice is like, and comparable with the shepherd's voice of John Ten, and how the sheep instinctively recognize and respond in a reflex way to that voice of the shepherd, the good shepherd that comes to make us lie down in green pastures and beside quiet waters to restore us and to protect us with his rod and his staff and ultimately to prepare a table before us in the presence of enemies. A beautiful picture of his pursuit of us and so that's number one, to be able to individually discern the voice of Jesus with absolute clarity and overwhelming power regardless of the world regardless of the response of the world that's one of the main things I pray about on a personal level but also um, obviously corporately and that brings us to number two which is for the people of God across the earth to hear what he is saying to his people and again just reading these and I'll give you a couple of thoughts difference between a point of view to be kept in mind and the word of the Lord that comes to his people with undeniable force deliverance from the attitude that why can't God be revealing himself in one way to some and in another very different way to others? I'll come to that in a minute. Um, One of the things I find myself praying about a lot um, is the cultural lay of the land that doesn't even seem to want to pursue the voice of God in the sense of The voice, the speaking voice, if you've never read Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, I think it's could be even chapter one or two. Certainly in the first few chapters of that book, A.W. Tozer gives a whole chapter called The Speaking Voice. Um, And I think we've lost something in the church for sure um, about what it means to hear the speaking voice of God. And to somebody who once said to me very recently, actually, he's a pastor of a church, um, who disagrees with a lot of what we're saying. And he wanted to know, uh, he was asking the question, how is it that we're able to discern what the voice of the Lord is when there seems to be opposing narratives or one one senior leader saying this and one other senior leader saying completely opposite? And that is serving to make the point I'm making, which is that we're we're living in a time, an age and a time where the voice of the Lord is almost an anathema in the sense of it not being a reality to even realise because we're very happy, it would seem, to kind of jolt to the the voice of God being a perspective to keep in mind rather than the speaking voice that floors flaws us in our pride and our arrogance. And the same pastor who had posed the question recently why is it that you know what do we do when one pastor one leader says this and another um was recounting a time where two two churches in the same kind of postcode one that was very fiery and i guess pentecostal in a you know in a, in a denominational sense um and another church in the same area that was kind of much more conservative much more kind of um different stylistically and the question from this pastor was well, why is it that it couldn't be that God is moving in both places well it's missing the point of course there's no there's no, no reason to assume that God isn't moving in both places but God is not confused God is not saying one thing to 25% of the body of Christ on the earth and 20, and something very different to another 25% he's not got four different narratives that he's saying to us he's it's like a shepherd who sees that his flock perilously close to the edge of the cliff, and he, he will be saying to all of them, come here now, otherwise you're going to die. Come here to me, draw near, or you're going to fall off the edge of a cliff. So um, we've lost something, I think, within cult the culture of the church that doesn't even recognise the urgency to prioritise really discerning his speaking voice, the voice, Not one option among many, the voice. What's he saying? What's his premier emphasis at this time? And it's just schizophrenic to say that his premier emphasis is more than one thing. I think his premier emphasis by definition is very specific. Feel free to disagree. Feel free to come back to me. But I think that feels like a massive gaping gap within our culture. So number three. For his name to be hallowed and glorified in the nation, for leaders like Boris Johnson and Donald Trump to truly turn to Christ. Remember we talked before from Proverbs fourteen, thirty-four, where it says righteousness exalts and exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And so taking the cue from Peter about praying for those in power and responsibility, um, not just in the church, within the body as it were, but within within society and cultures to pray for these guys and mainly that they would be arrested by the spirit of God particularly if there seems to be a token gesture given towards Christianity or faith following Jesus and then behavior that's very clearly not in keeping with that. Even down to recent events in Britain this week with last week sorry with Dominic Cummings the main advisor to Boris Johnson and his behavior which I think is very widely recognized as being questionable at the very least and how complicit it makes boris johnson if there's a complete defense of that and not even an ask for an apology and so on there's a there's a morality issue there's a hypocrisy issue and i think it is more profoundly important for the health and the future of a nation than we might think based on that one verse in proverbs alone righteousness exalts the nation number four what well, what well, this is number four in terms of the top seven things that I'm praying about, we're praying about. For all the church to understand the kindness of repentance as a way of life, and to have our calloused heart softened to understand the truth of, again, this is something in one of the previous podcasts, Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my anxious heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. One of the common points that people make about this issue of repentance, which I think is fundamentally missing it and is a mistake, which is to say, I'm not really sure what to pray about. I'm not really sure what to repent of. Um, And we covered that in that episode. I think quite a few people have gotten contact to say how helpful they'd found that particular episode. I was definitely helped by that thought that you don't need to have a specific um, issue in mind to be repentant. You can take that attitude regardless of whether or not you've got anything in your mind. And I think it's helpful to look at the world at large, the church at large, and not just your little part or the good parts even that are in it. We've covered that in some detail. Nevertheless, we do pray about that, that biblical, faithful, biblical understanding of the absolute centrality of repentance. And I think that will be the seedbed of the church that does eventually arise in power and authority in the West. Number five, related for the family of God to truly arise. And I've just written here beyond cliche for a radical overhaul in the body of Christ in terms of how we relate to each other, how we build and covenant in relationship and therefore what the corporate whole looks like. Enough, Suffice to say, we've got very little understanding of what it means to be covenanted together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got very little understanding of the, the commanded blessing of that oil pouring off. Aaron's beard, in terms of the central place that God commands his blessing, when there's unity, true unity. Um, And how that relates to terms like love and family. And these things are commonly thrown around in church circles, but often feel completely wafer thin and very, very fake and just not the real deal. I think a lot of people would put their hand up at that and recognizing if this is the family of God, if this is true relationship in the in the body of Christ, then I don't want it because it doesn't feel very good. It feels hurtful, it feels very superficial, it feels even lacking integrity a lot of the time. I think these are a lot of things that we need to listen to and we don't do very well at listening, particularly church leaders. Number 6, so the last two points Um, I pray for, we pray for regularly, is for courage not to fear. There is a growing, accelerating move of the spirit of God in the church who is awakening sons to the kingdom out of the vice-like grip of denominationalism. Courage to ask the difficult questions. Courage to state the obvious facts. Courage for the fathers to turn to the sons. Courage to then alter our lives with the conscription of our consciences. Um. Courage to not fear. I think this Conscription of Conscience, if you've not seen the draft film yet, we produced that at the beginning of the year and released it at the first weekend of lockdown in March. That's available on Vimeo. Just go ahead to Vimeo, search Nicholas Paul Franks and you'll find the draft or drop me a line or whatever. You you can get it, I'm sure. Watch the film. It's worthy of your attention. It's worthy of maybe getting a group of people together in your family or friends with bread and wine to take communion and to really get the word of God out and listen to what the spirit of God so it's a very plea, proud in a, in a good way about that film and what God achieved through that and continues to we continue to receive testimonies about that and so we're praying for courage for folk who have these stirring questions and stirring um, disquiets and distresses um, regarding the obviousness. Of the condition and health of the church, and to be able to ask, start asking different questions, talk differently, adopt different tones. We heard that, we covered that a little bit with Ryan just last weekend regarding um, this rising cry of Mar and Arthur throughout the nations, and that in order for that to be realized, there are going to have to be difficult questions, conversations, decisions. So we need courage for that and not fear. And then finally, we need a new reformation. We need men and women and children who are eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. We all know that's biblical. We all know that's in the Bible. Do we believe it? Do we actually follow through with that? At the heart of this new reformation is the divine pathos of the heart of God regarding the disjointed, conflicted, self-harming body of Christ complicit in a raft of sins that we are largely unaware of, including the ignorance regarding the end-time centrality of the land of Israel, and the Jewish people. I've given this a whole chapter in Body Zero. If you've not read that, you can get a hold of a copy. Drop us a line if you're struggling for money. Don't let that be a reason for you not to get it and read it. I commend it to you. Um, The divine pathos issue links so closely with the prophetic and in terms of what does it really mean to be prophetic in 2020, moving forwards at this time of history? What does it really mean to be prophetic and I think there are lots of skewed understandings very blinkered um, narrow narrow um, understandings of what the prophetic really means and what it means to be people who eagerly desire that particular gift of the spirit of God but we need a new reformation and until we understand and until we come into a place of agreement with what God says about the state of play until we come into agreement across the body about what god says about himself what god says about god we are wading in the miry clay we are not moving forwards and we're certainly not arising and as a as a related thought to that and this is just me finishing in terms of what we pray about the most is that the missing cry of maranatha how has this happened guys that ancient prayer of maranatha come lord jesus That the church, the spirit and the bride say, come Lord Jesus. We've done content on this now for the last five years at least, probably longer than that. And so this isn't a flash in the pan. This is the ancient prayer of Maranatha that formed the very heartbeat of the upper room, 120 people. Um, And asking the question now at this point in history, just recognizing the obviousness. Again, this is the obvious, clearest day reality that the cry of Maranatha has not been the mainstay, the not being the, the bread and butter, has not been the epicenter of everything that's gone on over the last however many centuries. And so we are, make no mistake, at a centrally historical reform, reforming point in history. This is the church, hopefully, coming to her knees. That's what our prayer is: that the church would come to her knees in a new historic place of repentance. Nothing new. This is everything we've been saying over the last three months, and that in that place we would hear his beautiful voice, receive wisdom and revelation for the future, decisions that need to be made. But until we come to that place of bowing the knee, we're not going to hear it. Until we can move that verse in 2 Chronicles away from the cliche of when my people humble themselves and pray, until that becomes something more than a cliche or a familiar verse that we just recite at difficult times, until it becomes the new normal, until it becomes a recognition of what needs to happen as the priority across the West, we're not going to hear his voice in the way that he makes available. Those are the seven things that we pray about and we'll continue to pray about until he comes, especially that rising harmony across the nations of Come Lord Jesus Maranatha that Ryan explains so well from his perspective into all the different nations and cultures that he visits Maranatha, Maranatha, Maranatha. There is nothing like the word Maranatha. There is no reality like that. And we pray now. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. Within all of the words, within all of the limited understandings, within all of the limited, our seeing in part and knowing in part, you are still gracious to speak and to move you will have your bride your people will be prepared you will have a family as your inheritance father we pray in the name of Jesus that you'd have your way in the UK in this context and the nations of the West and we pray father that you would have all the glory. Lord, we ask you to have the glory of your people bowing the knee in historic repentance. We pray that you'd receive glory when your people do that, that when they finally get it, when they finally recognise that you don't have to have a full understanding of what we're repenting about in order to adopt that posture. Lord, the grievous ways that are buried in our ignorance willfully, buried in our short-sightedness, buried in our faulty inheritances Lord I pray that those grievous ways would be exposed and dealt with in the gracious kind way that you do that your heart is never to scold or chide or to um, torture or torment, that's not your heart your heart is to bring about the most change, the deepest heart change with the least amount of trauma for the largest number of people and we ask that I ask that now in the name of Jesus. As this lockdown lifts across the UK and across the nations of the West, I pray Spirit of God that we would not confuse the natural seasons of spring and summer and autumn and winter with the true seasons in the spiritual realm, in the heavenlies. I pray that we would have ears to hear what's really being said to us, what's really going on behind the scenes in the eternal and Father, I pray that whether we're in spring, summer, autumn, or winter, I ask that we would have lives that reflect, that are commensurate in intensity with what you're saying and doing, and that you would achieve in our lifetimes more than we've ever dared to dream or imagined, according to your power that's at work within us, that same power that raised you, Jesus, from the dead. Oh, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus, Spirit of God, move like a mighty wave across this nation. Would you move like a mighty fire throughout the nations, through every town, village, and city, through every postcode, through every denomination. Lord, I pray that you would dissolve the disaster of denomination. And I pray that you would redefine in one generation what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower and a lover of Christ. I pray that you would do that by your spirit, that you would awaken the hardest hearts that you'd cause soft-heartedness to spread throughout the fathers in their 50s and 60s and 70s, those who've given decades of their lives to denomination, those who've gone through Bible colleges and who have lost the plot when it comes to the kingdom because priorities are in the wrong places and there's idolatry in in the midst. And where there truly is Ichabod, where there truly is glory departed, would you have the kindness, Lord, by your spirit to show us that? Even in these next few months, I see a drought, I see a drought of spirituality as the lockdown lifts, as people return, as people are drawn, even magnetised back to the comfort zones of what's always been the superficial level of arm's length distance and the drought that that will become for those whose hearts have been stirred for the more, for the reality that is only possible to receive and to then act on through repentance and i see a draft a a drought rather i see a drought of um, within churches who are opening who will regather without any profound heart change and there will be a stifled drought there'll be a dustiness there won't be health there won't be fruitfulness and i pray father now in the name of jesus that that will be a grace and mercy for those in the midst of that maybe who don't know how to get out of that i pray father that you would give great wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you ephesians 1:17, that we would all come corporately to know you better and if that means leaving x y and z that's been dysfunctional for centuries then so be it it is no big thing it's it is a small thing in light of your coming in light of your soon return and so lord i pray oh god i pray I pray now that where there is an inevitability of the drought that is just around the corner, irrespective of the human natural seasons, that where there is a drought, where there is a returning to that which was before, that Father, you would bring such shaking and awakening and disruption and arrest to as many people as who, had, who would have ears to hear as is possible. Your desire is that none would perish and that instead of drought, Lord, have your way in that place of repentance, in that place of humility, in that place of God, just whatever it is that needs to happen, please do it in that place that you would bring. <sighs> bring new rain. Bring water. Bring living water. Historically, let your people arise. Let it mean something again to be a follower of you, let Christians be known for their love for one another, the laying down of their lives for one another and let there be great disruption across this nation of Great Britain, across Ireland and across the nations of the West we pray for mega disruption, Lord I pray for a great distaste within the people of God, who return to business as usual and find a drought, We find lack you find there's nothing in the cupboards, you find there's nothing by way of unction up front and in whose stead and instead find hear rumors, whispers as it were, of fruit in the wilderness. Father, I pray for great blessing, the great blessing of repentance in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. guys thank you very much indeed for tracking with this full first series of into the prey breaching the chaos of the church there is no other group of people on the earth like the church like the bride and here's a bridegroom coming for a bride who have made herself ready for that great and glorious and dreadful day so we pray that it's been a blessing a provocation track back in four or five weeks where series two will commence in earnest and until then we pray Mara and Arthur, may god bless you